I don't know why you clap beforehand. You haven't heard anything yet. Um, well, the first week we heard about how God loves us. Uh, Susan Stafford uh, did a wonderful job, and Randy Vett told us about salvation. And Sarah Vetch last week told us about the Holy Spirit coming into our lives. Um, I have to be honest with you. Uh, I didn't know much about the Life in the Spirit seminar. I'm kind of new at this like many of you are. Um, and I don't know if when you run into Father Mark and he asks you, oh, excuse me, invites you to do something. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to say no. Um, and so we had our first, uh, we had our first meeting and uh, bunch of people around and on the team and stuff and he was asking for people to uh, to do these talks and uh, and so I was looking down the list and I said wow wow receiving gifts of God yeah I could do that and um, as you as I go through this you'll uh, understand um, how I kind of misconceived <laughs> what receiving the gifts of God was all about um, God is offering us a relationship in which we can have a new life in him. He will give us the gifts of this new life of the Spirit. He will change us and heal us. And I know that to be true. Um, when we join this community, and this is a community here, people, uh, we receive graces from each other. Uh, through the Holy Spirit. But he's calling us to join this community who will help us grow in this new life. We have to turn to him and allow him to do what he's offering to do in our lives. Okay, we have to turn to him. Um, when you think of everything around us, literally everything around us is the gift of God. This beautiful facility is a gift of God. The air, the mountains, the black hills, everything that we have is a gift of God. Our family, our spouses are a gift of God. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I guess it was a couple months ago, I read somewhere, and I can't remember where, but it says, everything is a gift of God except his will. Everything is a gift of God except his will. Um, you know, and I, it kind of took me back. You know, why wouldn't he give that to us as a gift? Why wouldn't he give that to us as a gift? I started thinking about it. Every day we say the Our Father... And we say, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Ultimately, that gift of God, that will of God is to love him. God wills us to love him. And that has to be a choice or a decision on our part. 
in most cases, when you love somebody, what does that cause you to do? You try to make them happy, right? Right? Um, in most cases, when you love someone, you want to make them happy, which might mean you have to make some changes in your life so that you can be, as Matthew Kelly says, be the best version of yourself for another. Um, I don't know about you guys, but when you love someone, especially a spouse, did any of you have to change anything? (laughs) (laughs) To change anything because you love that other person? Yeah. You know, when you love someone, um, I have to think of that that movie that had um, Jack Nicholson in it. It was called As Good As It Gets. Do you remember it? The only line that I can remember of it, the the lady wanted a compliment. Can you give me a compliment? And he said to her, my being with you makes me want to be a better man. Okay? So receiving these gifts, it's all about... um, it's all about us loving God, and because we love Him, we want to follow Him. In order to receive this new life God is offering us, we must turn away from those things which block our relationship with God and accept Jesus as our Lord. So this talk is really is not about receiving God's gifts. It's about how do we prepare ourselves to receive the God's gifts. How do we prepare ourselves? Um, We need a change of direction, a reorientation of our lives. Uh, There's a real fancy Greek word, metanoia. It's a a new-mindedness. In other words, it means to change our ways. Ooh, that's kind of scary, isn't it? Away from those things which block a relationship with God and give Satan a hold on us. We have to change our ways towards God in obedience. Only when we follow him can we lead, can he lead us to this new life. And you know, and God doesn't want this obedience like a slave, where I fear punishment if I don't do what my master says. And he doesn't want he doesn't want us to obey like uh, an employee. You know, if I don't do it, I won't get my reward. He wants us to obey him as a loving father and child. That's the obedience that he wants. Um, We cannot find our completion or the best version of ourselves apart from God. God wants us to surrender ourselves. And surrender is a choice, it's a decision. It's an act of will, just like love is. Love is a decision and an act of will. Uh, I want to, uh, this community that I was talking about, Sarah Vetch turned me on to this book. It's called The Miracle Hour. 
and they have some out there, uh, I highly recommend it because it's a profound way to pray. But in there, there's this a prayer of surrender, and I want to read just a short portion of it. This is the surrender that God wants of us. Loving Father, I surrender you today with all my heart and soul. Please come into my heart in a deeper way. I say yes to you today. I open all the secret places of my heart to you and say, come on in. Jesus, you are the Lord my whole life. I believe in you and receive you as my Lord and Savior. I hold nothing back. Holy Spirit, bring to me a deeper conversion to the person of Jesus Christ. I surrender all to you, my health, my family, my resources, occupation, skills, relationships, time management, success, and failures. That's a decision on our part to, to, to surrender. Um, check this book out. Um, it's a, a beautiful way to pray. So, here's the other part of it. If we're going to change direction, repentance is the word that will come to mind. Repentance. And repentance requires several qualities. The first one is honesty. The admission that there are things in our lives that are wrong and need changing. Boy, that's a hard one, isn't it? To admit to ourselves that there's something wrong in my life and it needs changing. Things we have done wrong sometimes have been deliberate or sometimes wasn't deliberate or even things done innocently becomes really bad when you refuse to admit it's wrong. We all need to do an inventory of our actions and that takes honesty. The second quality we need is humility. The willingness to change. It's a necessary quality because that that would counteract self-will and self-love. And we all have self-will, and we all have self-love. We need humility to counteract that. It is the awareness that we need God's help. The, the root word of humility is humus, which means earth. We're to be of the earth. And so it's really easy, I think, for people to get a little puffed up with themselves, full of themselves, if you will, think that I don't need that or I'm good on my own. Uh, but what does Christ say? <laughs> what does Christ say um, about people that get puffed up and full of themselves? Uh, the next quality we need is renunciation, turning away from wrongdoing, deciding not to do it again. When we talk about reconciliation, we talk about the purpose of amendment, realizing you have to amend your life. When we, when we renounce sins, we turn away from self-preoccupation and turn back to the heart of Jesus. When we turn away from, when we renounce our sins, we turn away from self-preoccupation 
and turn back to the heart of Christ. And then finally, we have to ask for forgiveness. When we do the inventory, when we realize that we've sinned, um, we have to renounce this idea of sin to change, to amend our lives. And then we have to ask for forgiveness for what we've done wrong. And there's a whole list of things, but uh, we must specifically turn away from non-Christian religions, spiritualism, witchcraft, occultism, sexual intercourse out of marriage, adultery, homosexual acts, murder, robbery, shoplifting, cheating, business deals or exams, lying, slander, drunkenness, getting stoned on drugs. And of course, in the case of serious sins, we need confession. We need reconciliation. And I encourage that before next... (laughs) Somebody else is encouraging it too. (laughs) I encourage reconciliation before next Thursday when we meet at where? All right, good, good. Um, So reconciliation is a part of this this self-inventory. It's such a beautiful sacrament to prepare us for what we have to do to receive God's gifts. To help us combat the work of evil that we can get, to help us combat the work of the evil that we can get inspiration from Scripture. We can get a lot of inspiration from Scripture. And once again, I I want to read this from this miracle hour. Um, There's a beautiful prayer here. I put on God's armor to resist resist the devil's tactics. I stand my ground with truth buckled around my waist in integrity for my breastplate. I carry the shield of faith to put on out the burning arrows of the evil one. I accept salvation from God to be my helmet and receive the word of God from the Spirit to use as a sword. Heavenly Father, please show me any way that Satan has hold of my life. I let go of all those ways now. Any territory I've handed over to Satan, I now reclaim and place under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Place it under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. In order to receive this new life God is offering us, we must ask him for it in faith, expecting to receive it because he wants us to have it. And he promised he'd give it to us, all these gifts. Um, This asking part of it. I have a grandson. His name is Drew. He's six years old, and he's a unit. Do any of you people have a child that's a unit or a grandchild that's a unit? Okay. Well, this guy is a unit, and he has a a way of asking for stuff, and it goes something like this. Mom, I love you. (laughs) Could I have a can of pop? And my daughter will look at him and say uh, no, trying to keep a straight face. But then the other kids chime in. Mom, I love you. Can I have a new cell phone? Mom, I love you. Can I have a new car? Well, that's how we pray sometimes. That's how we pray sometimes. But we have to ask. 
We have to ask for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And even if that's the way you pray, Lord, I love you. Can I have all the gifts you want to give me? You know? And that's what, that's what we're talking about in the life of the Spirit, this whole idea. Um, you know, because God wants us to ask. He wants us to have them. And he wants us to use the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So any way you ask is just fine. Faith means relying on what God has said. Do you remember the story of uh, Peter and the apostles on the boat and there was a huge storm and Jesus comes walking across the water? And, and Peter said, Lord, can I come to you? And Peter, the Lord said, come to me. And Peter gets out in the water and he starts to what? Doubts to doubt. He starts to doubt and he begins to sink. And then Peter gets very frightened and he's begging for help. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You have little faith. Why did you doubt? You have little faith. Why do you do that doubt? And when they got to the boat, the wind ceased, and all those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. We know that everything God says is true because he knows everything and does not lie. Our Christian lives are based on facts. We put faith in the facts. Our feelings follow. We deal with feelings of doubt by looking at the facts. And I, and I caution you. Um, there will be some obstacles. The evil one will work and present, put obstacles in front of you, place in your way when we pray for the gift of the Spirit. Sometimes we'll get a feeling of unworthiness. I'm not worthy, Lord. Uh, fear of making a fool of oneself. God, I don't want to be like that. What do people think? Doubt. A temptation not to believe or reject God's gift. Another one is pride, the feeling we don't need God's gifts. Another one is the fear of what others think. All these feelings, and that's what they are, is feelings, and you can't trust feelings. You can't trust them. Fear and doubt is not of the Lord. 119 times in Scripture... It tells us not to be afraid. We can expect to be baptized in the Spirit because he told us that is what he wants for us. In Luke chapter 11, So I say to you, ask and it will be given you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives. And everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Is there anyone among you who, would, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if a child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more 
will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? God said this because He loves us and wants to be united with Him. As we turn to God and surrender our lives, then the Spirit fills us with a new life. Um, in this talk, I've kind of been talking about preparing to receive God gifts, and there's a vast and endless river that gives us new birth in Christ. Next week, we'll pray, and, we'll have been, and we have been praying, for a deeper experience of baptism of the Holy Spirit. You have been baptized and confirmed in the church, and now we pray for a further outpouring of God's grace or charisms. We are asking Jesus to send the Spirit like he did at the first Pentecost. In Acts 1, verse 8, But you will see power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We are to be his witnesses now, this day, and the Spirit will give us the gifts we need. Begin today to prepare and pray for the gifts that only God can give. Um, Oscar Wilde was quoted by Pope Francis not too long ago. And he said, There is no saint without a past. There is no sinner without a future. There is no saint without a past. There is no sinner without a future. Prepare for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. God bless. coming from out of where I'm giving this witness talk is um, I'm a product of FOCUS, which is the Fellowship of Catholic University Students, um, which means that when you start, you get initiated into this discipleship, um, and the model is where you meet intentionally with somebody once a week, and then you invest in two or three other people who then begin to invest in two or three other people um, and model the discipleship of Christ. Um, so that's kind of the lens that I'm giving this um, witness talk out of. Um, so I was born and raised here in Rapid. Um, I went to Catholic school for 13 years. Um, and I went to college in Brookings at South Dakota State. And that's kind of where the wheels kind of started turning for me a little bit. Um, my freshman year of college, I began to fall into a lot of sin. Um, and my... RA at the dorm of my, or my freshman dorm, was Catholic and found out I was Catholic and was leading this Bible study and invited me to it. Um, and at this point I had been going to Mass, um, wasn't receiving the sacraments very often, especially in particular confession, and um, so I told her yes, 
because out of obligation because we were good friends and um, she conveniently lived across the hall from me so every time we had it she knew if I wasn't there where I was and if I was home so um, it began to be something that I went to out of obligation because I didn't want to disappoint her. So later on in the beginning of my freshman year, my first semester, she invited me to go to the SEEK conference for FOCUS. And um, it was in Orlando, Florida, which I thought sounded pretty sweet. So I was like on board. And so I um, knew th three people that were going. Um, and so we get to Orlando and I remember um, <laughs> we were walking, we we're gonna go walk on the boardwalk. It was like the first night we were there. And we run into these two other kids that came with us and um, stopped to talk to them. And they said, we're like, do you want to come with us to go on the boardwalk and walk around? And they're like, no, we're going to go. We're going to go to adoration for a little bit. And they're like, oh, OK. And then my friend stopped and was like, shoot, I should, we should go. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, are you kidding? Like, we just got here. And, um, <laughs> we got. <laughs> It's getting late already, so we need to like get going if we're gonna do this. And so they're like, "Yeah, let's go." And I was like, "Oh, okay, good." Um, so <laughs> I remember that was the first encounter I had with these people that were just like, they didn't care if we were in Florida. They didn't care about all these cool things we could go see. That they were here because the Lord was here too. They were here because all these other people wanted to come encounter the Lord too. Um, and so that kind of started changing the, like at the very at the get go, the very beginning of the conference for me, um, that there was hundreds of people in adoration. There were thousands of people at this conference coming to encounter the Lord either again or for the first time. Um, and so when I was there, I just remember in adoration, looking at like six thousand other college students, like kneeling in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And I remember um, I had been to Steubenville before, and I remember the experience I had, and then it slowly kind of died away when I got home because I didn't um, nourish that relationship or that encounter that I first had. And so um, I remember thinking to myself, I don't want this to happen to me again um, because this is for real, and all of these people that I came here with are going to you know, come back, and I can be nourished that way through them. Um, and so when I got back, the beginning of my second semester, I was um, started going to daily mass every day, um, got involved in literally everything I could get involved in, and um, was in a Bible study, was on a prayer team for two years throughout my college career, you know, was leading a Bible study, was on the planning committee for the Newman Center, and um, continued to go to these conferences. And then once I joined Focus, I um, remember them saying that I had to commit to a holy hour, too. And I was like, and that again was kind of the same reaction I had to going into adoration. And I was like, that is a long time to be sitting there in silence. And so I, so I got really nervous about that. And I knew it was kind of something I had to gradually um, and slowly move into. Um, and I had a lot of positive peer pressure from those friends that are, were doing daily holy hours and that were going to confession frequently and going to daily mass. Um, but by my third year of college or so, all of these things that I was involved in, all the stuff that I was doing began to um, kind of like switch, move my relationship with the Lord in a way that I felt that it was some sort of equation I needed to complete. That if I do, if I put plug in X and Y, um, then my holiness will be the outcome of that. 
or I have to try to earn God's love and earn salvation. And um, by going to daily mass, and if I didn't go to confession once a month, then my relationship with God with God would suffer, and then I wouldn't be as holy as my friends were. Um, and so that kind of hindered my relationship at the, at, towards the end of my college career. And then I um, moved home in August and was kind of lost because I didn't have any of that anymore. <laughs> and um, so I kind of needed to start from square one. And I was begging the Lord for me to like find more things for me to do. And because I, I didn't know what to do with myself and I didn't know how to be with the Lord outside of all these other things that I was doing, um, which has been good, which I did find all of these things to do. And so now I'm just busy, which is fine, but it's, um, <laughs> prayer has been much more of like the safe zone for me. Um, whenever I <laughs> get sick of kids that I'm ministering to, or I'm just crabby and I go to adoration at, at the cathedral and I just sit there and know that here I don't need to think about anything and here the Lord is loving me now even though I'm exhausted and even though I'm tired and um, the Lord has definitely especially these past few weeks has expanded my capacity to trust him um, and to love him more and to just be with him and be honest with him and have him be my father rather than just some equation or some answer that I need to get to um and so the Lord has really been living within me rather than just being something that I am trying to work towards. And um, trusting him is the, <laughs> the biggest relief that I've been able to have because I um, am very closed off and I, don't, I like to control things. And I, um, so letting the Lord do that was very difficult for me. And... You know, no matter where the Lord's leading me next, it's always kind of, all right, Lord, you got this one. I don't know what I'm doing, but you got it. I don't know what I'm doing, but you got it. And every day it's kind of like, here we go. Like, I don't... <laughs> um, so especially in these last few weeks of this seminar, I just um, pray that you are asking the Lord to expand your capacity to trust in him and that he may make more room for him um, within your heart especially for next week. Um, so be open and let the Lord do good things in, in within you. Let's pray. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, it is now, and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen.